I want you to begin to see the power that you have that you don't even realize. It's that hidden potential that is exactly what is going to win the day in America and your life and family. You have available to you a purpose, a destiny, and the power to carry it out in Christ. It's yours, not to develop, but to discover. Thanks for joining us on Life Journeys, a podcast about thriving through the worst pain that life brings. With global initiatives threatening big changes to our way of life, we're going to need to activate Jesus' words about mountain-moving faith. Words That Work is the ongoing series on life journeys that is rooted in releasing revelational words of faith that will work every time and with everyone. It's about moving the mountains that keep us from the presence and goodness of God. It's about defining our life purpose and identity through encountering Him until we have the power to move the obstacles that are destroying our liberty and hope. When something supplies you, then it can control you, and it will take away your ability to love. Paul didn't look to this world for anything he held dear for life. Jesus was his complete supply, and he was at peace with whatever suffering this world dealt him. He could still love his enemies. Don't let the world or your own looks or ability be your source of power, or these things will master you. Your level of human resource is a reflection of what man can do, but your living knowledge of Christ is a reflection of what God can do. If you allow the world to supply you and globally govern you, they will also take away your power to love. If Paul was in the contest for America, he would recognize he was in a battle with sin and Satan, and his tactic would be using God's word, not his own. He would not speak as a reaction to how his flesh was feeling. To do this, he had to know that he was supplied by God. You see, again, when something supplies you, then it can govern you, control you, and manipulate you. But since Paul's supply was not of this world— Neither was he controlled by it. So Paul wouldn't fight for a Democrat or a Republican, a conservative or progressive agenda. He wouldn't fight for any form of government. He was after the hearts of men. The only thing, incidentally, that will turn America back again. The man of God wasn't warring against or according to his flesh. This man of God wasn't warring according to his flesh. He wasn't governed by his earthly passions, fears, desires, or pain. The battle he fought was done only by the revelation of God to him. When men don't like what God is saying, they try to relieve themselves by demeaning the messenger of God. The Corinthian church was using personal appearance and Paul's lack of oratory skills to dismiss the apostle. So he would say, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. He said he didn't war with the weapons of flesh, such as intellect and willpower or emotion, because 
He needed true power to pull down the strongholds of darkness that dwelt in men's hearts. He said that he was meek when he was in the presence of the Corinthian church members, but they shouldn't think that his humility meant weakness. Meekness is not weakness. He had powerful weapons against the true enemies of the kingdom of God, weapons that the world totally disregarded as being worthless. Paul would simply cast down imaginations, he says, against the truth. Imaginations means the reasoning power, such as is hostile to the Christian faith, or judgment and decisions such as the conscience can pass. Paul would use his spiritual arsenal to destroy every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. Every single thought would be brought captive to the obedience of the existence of Christ. For him, all things would exist only in their relationship to Jesus. Nothing was considered to hold any significance outside of how it would magnify the Lord and line up with his word. Jesus' will would be in every life consideration, especially those things which exalted themselves against the knowledge of God. Thus, don't use your imagination or human reasoning to try to extinguish the fiery darts of the enemy, the lies that come against you, the deception, the weariness, despair. Stop trying to outsmart the devil. You can't do it. Don't worry about the politics and the narratives and the utter nonsense out there. It's the heart that must change, not people's minds. Paul would later go on to more firmly establish the principle that his power in Christ had nothing to do with his outward appearance or his oratory abilities. Some consider his speech to be contemptible. It was that ordinary. He even identified his speech as crude or rude. He was weak among them in every human way, but this led to his great revelation. He would learn, when I am weak, then I am strong, for God's grace is sufficient for me. Thus, never think of your ordinary or weak or unappealing demeanor or appearance to be a sign of irrelevance or unworthy esteem. Don't let the world or your own looks and ability be your source of influence, relevance, and power. Or listen, these things will master your life. And never think that what you have to give from above is ineffective. What God has given you is mighty. It will destroy the strongholds of this world. What God has put in your heart is of far more value than all that this world could accomplish. Your level of human intellect, ability, and education, or financial standing and appearance and reputation does not matter at all. It may be a reflection of what man can do, but your living knowledge of Christ is the reflection of what God can do. One is worthless, the other a priceless treasure. It's mighty, powerful, and it can pull down the darkness that rules principalities and powers. These are the weapons of our warfare. Their goal is every thought being in consideration of and obedience to the will of God. Now, here's my weapon of the day. I am supplied by God. Therefore, I am governed by Him. I desire Him to be my Lord. I am not controlled by the world's resources. 
If God can't supply my need, then he can't be my master. Jesus taught that in Matthew chapter 6. And my need is for the life of Jesus to flow through me, to know his glory in my soul as one accepted, and free to receive revelation knowledge. My need is to be loved from above with no restrictions. Acceptance, approval, affection, intimacy, purpose, peace, joy, and every other good thing that this world can do for you, His Spirit does for me when I am strong and when I am weak. I am full of life through Christ who strengthens me. Since the world can't hurt me, I can love those who are in it, friend and foe alike. There is nothing I have that they can take from me that matters. They can't destroy my self-respect by their lack of respect, and it's not because of what I can make of myself. It's purely what I have received by the love of God, who is my all-sufficient supply. This kind of love and faith is the spiritual weapon above all others that can pull down any stronghold. For there is nothing that can hold me captive. God gives more than all the world could ever give. The world is not strong enough to hold such people as this in its grip. I pray that be your confession. There are so many thoughts. Our mind is a battleground that feeds the heart good or bad, that can destroy one's peace and block out the revelation relationship with the glory of God that is our rich inheritance in Christ. So many high things that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God's salvation and liberty must be utterly cast down. So many peace robbers, creators of disesteem, inner turmoil, and pain must be exposed as illegitimate guardians of our thoughts. God has this against me. I can't change. The ongoing struggle means I'm effective, ineffective rather, and hopeless. My grieving is too much for God and I to overcome. I'll never be free and happy. Those are the kind of lies that must be cast down and can by the knowledge of Christ. The apostle could endure all the opposition, the beatings, and imprisonment and still have love in his heart for his enemies. How? He didn't look to man or this world for anything that he held dear for life. Jesus was his complete supply for all he needed, and since he was not forsaken by God, he was at peace with whatever this world dealt him. This is a spiritual weapon. This is what's mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Life was not about slavery or freedom, gender identity or economic ideology, border control or pandemic reactions. He could have cared less about freedom of speech by the government because he had heaven's freedom of speech. The Greek word is boldness. He was supplied from above in all things that mattered. If he was hemmed in, it was a cutting back that didn't matter. If he was chained to a Roman soldier, he had a congregation to preach to. Jesus was Paul's daily bread, and no man could stop it up with a carnal prison wall or a blockade. He had strength from above, and that source could not be stopped by men or governments. 
He was truly a free man, whether in a prison or a palace, and the fact was, he just couldn't be stopped. And that's why socialism and communism and globalism see Christians as the enemy. Listen, stop living and battling like you are still trying to find the answer. Just because there is a battle doesn't mean you have failed or remain ignorant of what you need. The fact is that you are in a continuing battle, but your weapons also are mighty. Faith doesn't need to answer all the whys. And when you've lost a battle, but you haven't lost the war because you're still alive, don't whimper in condemnation and sorrow over not having arrived yet. When a soldier is nicked in battle, he doesn't fall back and cry about not being a better shot. He continues to wage war, for he knows if he sulks in self-pity, he's going to lose the war. Load your weapon again. It's powerful. Now use it. This isn't going to be a 75 to nothing overwhelming win for you. It may feel like a 65-64 win in overtime, but your victory is assured by heaven. But you must not give in for triumph to be realized. Don't quit. A soldier learns and becomes seasoned as he presses on, and you're doing much better than you did a year ago, so don't measure your progress over hours or days or even weeks. You're learning to live in the impossible, to live way over your head. It feels like it's you against the world, because it is. Be courageous, for your champion has overcome the world. Don't let your human observations exalt themselves above the knowledge of God. Don't let the world or your looks or ability be your source of power, or these things will master you. If you allow the world to supply you and globally govern you, they will also take away your love. Learn to use your God-given power, and your life will reflect what He can do. You can unlock the presence of God in your life. There are revelation principles that remove the mountains, keeping us from joy, hope, peace, and purpose when our world gets turned upside down. Look for these words that work with Pastor Hardica as he shares what has helped him when life got hard. And don't forget to check out his book, The Fortress and the Firebrand, available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Thanks for listening to Life Journeys. Find new episodes every Wednesday and Saturday. And if you're new to this series, it begins with the September 16th episode. I want you to begin to see the power that you have that you don't even realize it's that hidden potential that is exactly what is going to win the day in America and your life and family. You have available to you a purpose, a destiny, and the power to carry it out in Christ. It's yours, not to develop, but to discover.